Um, and I'll be like, no, it's dolphin fish. Okay, if a dolphin is a mammal, this is a type of fish that they just call that. And they'd be like, well, they shouldn't call it that. Hmm, porpoises. Sending you to the principal's office. Easy, yeah, you exactly. flipper. Do you flipper. don't understand? He disregarded dolphin safe tuna and ate the dolphin bits only. I saw him. He's a little sociopath. He's a monster, you see. A monster. <laughs> a monster. A monster is eating all of the dolphins in the world. Look at him. He's licking his chops now. Oh looking my God. for the, the finest of Pico de Gallo. He says, he, he says, he, he asks the chef for the blowhole. <laughs> it's only, only the blowhole. It's weird, He's... but like, <laughs> it's flat, I guess. But <laughs> he calls it a, a sea donut, would you believe it or not? <laughs> he's just all, he's just, he's just, he, but he covers it in glaze. Mm-hmm. He's not a man. He's an animal. <laughs> Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. In 1992, Fox Kids Network thought they were giving kids the greatest gift of all, the X-Men animated series. Little did they know that they would frighten most children, at least me, um, because (laughs) it's not so good to me. This was their second attempt at trying to start a X-Men cartoon show after X-Men, Pride of the X-Men, was not picked up for some reason. The name was confusing, but X-Men, Pride of the X-Men, was probably the better of the shows. I would argue this. Anyway, filled with lots of voice talent like Norm Spencer, Cathal Doe, Lenore Zahn, I know Morris, people who no one remembers their names. <laughs> no one. Uh, as always, I am Professor Jank, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can't do it i can't do it <laughs> and i am brought and as always i am joined by forest green the guy who's always asking about who am i why do i have these blades why am i the best there is at what i do and what i do isn't very good well then stop <laughs> being that anyway you know <laughs> i think the best at what he the best or what he does is change into his his uh, comfy Canada clothes at every opportunity during the show. Yes, if he's not wearing his yellow and blue, he's always wearing his blue jeans and his leather bomber jacket and, and a tank top. Yeah, or a, a yellow flannel. <laughs> oh yeah, that is true. Like... Needless to say, from my sloppy intro there, um, I thought that was great. That might be one of your best. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I want you to know something. 
Uh, I came up with that from off of the cuff. Uh, That's just fantastic. Be- just because I figured I don't really like the show. Um, so I was going to... That's got to be the hottest take of it all. You know, I had no idea. I think I'm the one who put this one up there. I guess I must you have did. been. If you, if did, you have you. so very little affection for it. But um, I had no idea this would be such a controversial episode. Because, of course, a lot of people have a lot of affection for this show. Oh, I know. Trust me, I know. This is like when people are like, you know, one of my favorite cartoon shows, and I'm like, oh man, I can't wait. This is gonna be good. It's gonna be like SWAT cats or like uh, biker, <laughs> biker mice from Mars or something. And they're like, I love X Men the animated series, and you're just like, oh fuck, one of these guys, just one of them. Eh. Yeah, I mean, eh. as a show, I guess before we d- jump into it. This is going to be sort of a general discussion of the entirety of that series. Not one particular episode. We're just talking about our memories of it and our general feelings. And, and it already sounds like it's going to be a real spicy one. Yeah. Oh, but uh, spoiler, spoilers. Of course. Can't get, any, can't get by without the spoiler alert. And uh, I guess spoilers potentially for the comic, too, if you want, if you haven't read 70s X-Men and you really want to go back there and, like, see, read those classics and you somehow haven't come across any of these storylines since they've been repeated ad nauseum in various different mediums after this cartoon, then, yes, spoilers, spoilers, um, yeah, but Chris, Chris Claremont. Seems like a new writer to comic books, huh? Like, yeah, 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 yeah sort of new. Sure, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. been out. He's not been he's, doing things for a while. Yeah, he's been he's written a few things. Don't worry about it. Oh, I, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So, yeah, yeah you, this you, was you, this ran for what? Uh, five four five seasons. There you go. Five from nineteen ninety two to later. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like uh, 92 to like 97, something like that. Yeah. Uh, f- five You're years. correct. Yeah, they're like, I think it's, if I remember reading up on this correctly, it's like 75, 76 episodes, something like that. So, um, you know, and obviously, <laughs> which was very hard to me anyway. Uh, the preceding seasons, the art kept getting worse and worse, so I'm surprised they weren't able to pump out more and more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, it was produced by uh, the Saban uh, production group uh, that made you know Power Rangers and a lot of other shows you probably watched when you were a kid. Um, but one of the things that's sort of a hallmark to that company is that they were constantly trying to find ways in which to make productions cheaper. Um, certainly you can, you can see that by the fact that they licensed the, the, what are they called? Super Sentai? Yep. Um, uh, in, in Japan and they licensed that and just shot new interstitials and that's it. And then they just paired that up with the existing Japanese footage. So you, a fairly a brilliant uh, uh, move. You want to know who had that uh, that move first, but it didn't Whom? pan out for him? Stan Lee. 
So in the oh, 80s, really? he tried to bring over, I forget the name of the Sentai series. It was the one with the three. Um, he okay. tried to bring that over because he saw it and he's like, the kids will love this true believers. Let's do this. <laughs> so he worked in trying to get the rights and it, everything that Saban like international entertainment did. That's what Stanley was doing. Like we'll film new things. So the kids don't know who it is. It'll be perfect. And people loved it, but they were like, mm, we don't know, Stan, this is a little too crazy. We don't think kids will like watching this. And he's like, mm -hmm. you're crazy. And then literally like 10 years later, you know, power ranger guy does it. And he's like, boom, I'm a genius. Look what I did. It's so cheap. Yeah, but it was Stanley started the That's an interesting connection. Um it do you so like I mean you remember like Spider-Man from Japan like specifically yep. like that, that's where that uh relationship started. And because interesting. Cuz you know like in the 80s there's a bunch of Marvel cartoons they were trying to, you know, that was the obvious medium to move into. That's why, like, I even mentioned X Men Pride of the X Men, and Pride spelt like Kitty Pride. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That did not. Apparently, that even though it might be the uh, the better of the two shows, at least in your is. mind. Oh no! Yeah. Watch, just watch it. Like, look, I'm gonna tell you, like, right now, and I'll fight anybody, literally anybody, about this. It might not have the greatest intro because, you know, it's like X-Men, X-Men, going over here, going over here, whatever. <laughs> it's not great. But the animation is way better than um than this animated series. That's right. I said it. Yeah. I Hard to it. get worse, though, to be fair. Um, but apparently, according to uh, the the little bit of research that I did, uh, that show was so Pride of the X Men was so poorly received, at least by I mean, it did, didn't really catch on with audiences, and executives thought it was just total trash. But it was it almost didn't it almost canceled this show, which I guess in kind of in retrospect does make it a much better series to you because it almost felled this other series. <laughs> this all this other series almost didn't come out because of Pride of the X-Men, so maybe that does give it a couple points, at least in your I'm, uh in your I'm ledger. Gonna, look, yeah. After this, I'm gonna send you you can watch it's on YouTube. You can watch the first episode. I'm not saying the story's great. I'm not get anything. None. Of, I'm not. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying it's better drawn. To me, speaks better of the X Men uh, pre Jim Lee. You know, that's the big like selling point for the X Men animated series. If you were following Jim Lee's work, you know, back in the days, getting something that was faithful to his art and animated style was a huge win, right? Like he was the most selling comic book of all time. It got yeah. me to read X-Men comics again. Like there was a lot to it, but that's what I feel uh, between that and the, that's it. Those are the only things I think this show has, um, <laughs> over, yeah. especially over pride of the X-Men. That one is like, again, yeah, the theme song's not so great at all, but, but it is kind of catchy. It's not like, catchy, but it is very like, 
X-Men. I should have downloaded it. I feel bad. Um, <laughs> Maybe you can throw it in here. Yeah, right here. I'm going to throw it right here. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant tale, the mutant tale has now begun. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> wow! Whoa, that blew me away. I love Wolverine's Australian accent. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> let's be fair. I think most people in America don't know what Canadians sound like, so. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm from Manitoba. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh, either way i mean i think that they definitely tried something with this uh with the x-men the animated series show and i mean they so from my understanding and and it's interesting that you brought up the the jim lee designs because in my reading i found out that the producers of the show were super keen on using those designs because they felt like they were the most contemporary and of course, I spoke earlier about the bad reception of uh, Pride and the uh, Pride of the X Men, and the using the older designs. And the producers felt very strongly that they needed to bring it into the modern day because that's what was popular. Like you said, with the the Jim Lee run was super popular, and it it was just blowing up with kids, um, you know, all over the comic space. But uh, that happened to coincide with the 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 moment that Jim Lee left Marvel to form Image. And so during the development of this show, the uh the the big wigs at Marvel basically told the producers, hey, you have to scrap all of your designs. Um and because we don't want anything to do with Jim Lee anymore. We don't want to be promoting him. We don't we don't want to be promoting the look of his stuff because I guess they're real bitter about it. it seems kind of like a weird move because they still own all the rights to the x-men and stuff why wouldn't you you know uh want to capitalize on what's popular but they were not you know they're just not into promoting jim lee anymore so the producers of the show sent them a bunch of model sheets that were using like really old designs and mm -hmm. that basically convinced them to go with the jim lee look <laughs> what did they do they were like Yep, they were just like, oh no, these are too old. They suck. Let's let's see some other ones. And it was just more old designs. And they're like, fine, you win, Jim Lee from beyond the grave. <laughs> what? He's not dead. <laughs> he's dead to us. Uh, he's dead to us. We'll bring him back in the fold in ten years, but we don't know that. <laughs> but he'll come back. Yes. yes. But, like, I think, so, when I saw it as a kid, I was super into it, obviously, because, one, I just wanted more cartoons to watch, but, two, like, as I've already told you, like, my access to comics was fairly limited, and I'm like, whoa, I've heard of these stories, I've heard of, you know, Days of Future Past and uh, the Phoenix Saga, and they're doing it on the cartoon, so, like, for me, this was, like, a lot of 
a lot of it was these this is my only access to the those stories um and certainly in my head i enjoyed the animation and i in my head like the intro was animated very well but Ooh, in prepping yeah. for this podcast i Ooh. went back and i watched the days of future past two-parter mm. uh available on disney plus and just to get myself in the x-men headspace and whoa boy Woo boy! Yeah. From an art perspective, the show is very bad. It to me, <laughs> it is just it is like bad to the point of distraction. And especially if you look at it in the context of the time. And I, if I was to tell you, hey, uh, Batman the animated series was on concurrently with the show. It was on in the same time frame. And you look at the quality of the animation between those two shows, and it's night and day. Obviously, Batman the Animated Series had a bigger budget. Warner Brothers, or at least at the time, and I think probably arguably still, had a background in animation that they could fall back onto that was richer and more experienced. And of course, like I said before, the budget was just higher. And that's all you really need to know, right? Is that. X-Men, the animated series, had a pretty low budget, and it shows up on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, you, you will never get an argument with me on that one. This one is... I, I, with you, I was like, I thought the intro would be pretty good. Normally, when you're watching cartoons, you know, the intro seems to be of the highest, highest of quality, and then, like, the episodes vary, you know? Sometimes it's, like, the A art house that's drawing it and sometimes you got like you know like the participation award art house is drawing uh -huh. <laughs> yep. but it feels like out the gate they just got the like well if we get a bunch of participant awards it's still gonna be a good looking show right like that, that's what it feels like the, yeah this, this intro the music's great the -na 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 -na, it, mm -hmm. you know you that's great i'm not knocking that um, it's not as good as Batman the Animated Series. Nope. Theme, but it's good. You know, it's good. It's good. It's perfectly fine. Um, but the art that accompanies it is like, ooh, especially like the font choices and everything they do. The, like, <laughs> yeah, when it's introducing, because it does a weird thing where it's like, it shows each of the ca characters and basically their powers, so that if you never have any uh, previous uh, knowledge of the X-Men, you know, you can go into an episode and kind of know the setting, or at least kind of what you need to know, which I guess is kind of the purpose of these older 80s and 90s cartoons intros but you're right it's so corny when like they got cyclops and little bubble letters it looks like their little birthday balloon smelling of cyclops like, behind him i mean didn't it feel like there were some who like most actually like i think like nine tenths of the x-men have never had their own like series they've always done ensemble pieces with exceptional wolverine and that's why Wolverine's font looks fine because they had like a reference to go to. Right. But then like, yeah, when you see beast or Cyclops, it's just all like bubble letters. That's what you are. 
You're gonna get us very far, bubble letters, Cyclops. <laughs> who cares about him? That's what the font reads like to me. Yeah, it does kind of. Uh, it, it, Cyclops does kind of get short shrift, I guess. Where and where doesn't he in any sort of medium? But I mean, it's not as bad as the Iron Man '90s cartoon. Like with force works where like that, <laughs> that one really was the, this is the, the font and graphic pack that came with the program, you know, the free program and we were never going to change it. Uh, we'll just change the colors, but it'll just be like pow signs with the names. Yep. <laughs> it's like pow war machine. And you're like, eh, pow Uh-oh. whirlwind. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, the same pow, huh? And then you okay. start looking at the colors and you're like, the colors don't really match the characters as well as you think they should. Mm. So it's not that bad, but the, 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 the art on this intro is a little, I mean, even the X men in the X men looks off. Uh, whew. anyway. Yeah. 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 I, I don't disagree. I, I think, so there's a lot of things I think you can credit the show with, uh, Number one, it was one of the first cartoons to have uh, through lines that existed throughout the entire season, yep. and uh, it had many multi-part episodes that, even like the main episodes, because like I, I just watched Days of Future Past 1 and 2, but there was the episode after and the episode preceding all bleed into the story, so it was like one long arc, which is unusual for a kid's cartoon. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't shy away with discussing a bunch of issues that are like, you know, relevant to the X-Men comics because the X-Men comics have always been about, you know, holding a mirror up to our society and, and talking about uncomfortable subjects in a way that, uh, I, I think is like kind of it's good and it's and it's massively digestible whatever i was trying to say there but so i think all that stuff you can credit it for and and i certainly had this really great memory of it but one of the thing like researching it watching it trying to get back in the headspace it i don't like it anymore <laughs> I, I really was hoping i could come into this discussion and and really champion the this uh show because i generally like to talk about stuff that i like but and i put it on the list for us to talk about because i remember liking it but going back and watching it like i looked up before this podcast to uh, the i looked up on lists what episodes i should watch i should what what are some of the best examples of the of the series that i should watch to get back in the you know in the right space and so i found days of future past uh one and two is on it's on many top 10 list of the best episode and uh or the best episodes and um and so my original idea was I was going to watch those two, and then I was going to watch one that people think is bad. Uh, but then I just watched those two, and I was like... Um, you can't watch anymore? <laughs> yep. I was like, well, I don't really feel like I need to watch the bad one, because there was enough bad parts in this show <laughs> that I don't like. It is weird, it is janky, and... Uh, confusing that like I don't know 
what the bad like how bad is the bad one if this is one of the best oh no that's that's maybe i think you might have hit it on the head earlier with this you know saying that running in parallel was batman the animated series because like i had a direct relation to what was good animation and what was bad animation what was good storytelling and what was you know bad storytelling and to me like x-men you know there have been some excellent runs of you know x-men comics no pun intended there mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know like there have been some great you know like you know, like i said the claremont series like you know when they did you know the dark phoenix saga to even when magneto was running the um the you know the the x-men because professor x wasn't there and he was a good guy that run i there are there are moments jim lee's run i thought was fantastic you know at the time i was really like all about it because his art was something that you know we really didn't see before nothing like this and so i was i had higher than normal expectations for the show then when it came on and you watch the first two episodes which is like was it Night of the Sentinels or something like that? Yeah, um, it's a two-parter, Night of the Sentinels. Yeah, you know, and that one, like, watching it then, I was going, this isn't very good. Like, this doesn't look very good. And I watched that Iron Man shit, and that's not good either. <laughs> you know, I watched it. And, and that was, was after this show. So, like, yeah. you literally suffered through all this, and you're like, ugh. But you're like, but Iron Man. So let's check this out. Yeah, yeah. Let's let me see what's up with this Iron Man. Ooh, this is real bad. Why is the Mandarin green? Is that racist? <laughs> but I watched it. <laughs> but I still watched it. Like I got to the point with the X Men series that, like, if I didn't make it in home at home in time to watch it, I wasn't bummed out. You know, like I would rush right. to go watch Batman the animated series. Like I was like. I, Get the fuck out of my way, bus. You better, yep, I need to get there by four. You know, like, I have to rush. I have to see this. The X-Men, if I missed it, I was like, yeah. 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 I didn't miss anything. I don't think I missed anything. I'm good. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's weird. It's, it's really weird because I thought they would have pulled more from, like, the current run, but I guess what you're saying kind of makes sense where they're like, mm, no, don't, don't really do too much of his stuff because we don't want that. Um, you know, we don't want to really want to promote it. So let's kind of pull some of our early runs, like the days of future past, which I don't think you could do in like two episodes. Maybe I'm I mean, wrong with that. I feel like, no, would- you can't. The answer is no, that you absolutely cannot, because the two-episode series that I watched that had that was about Days of Future Past was so confusing and bad. Yeah. Like they have they introduce Bishop in that in that uh, two-episode arc, and this is the first season. So bear in mind, this is what people say is the pinnacle of like this is when they had the highest budget. This is when the episodes were the best people say the first season is the best so you go in with that you watch this two episode arc that's supposed to be days of future past and it's just like bishop is annoying uh every like everything happens so because they have have so much story to cram in 
and so nothing has any sort of gravitas. And then it's a two-parter that ends on the shittiest cliffhanger you have ever seen because, like, they go... (laughs) So, it starts out with old Wolverine and two mutants that I didn't really recognize but sort of have you know, recognizable powers. And they're running from Sentinels and just taking Sentinels apart. This one part, this girl um, mutant blasts uh, a building and it kind of, some of the bricks fall on the Sentinels and the Sentinels just down for the cap. Oh no, Uh, a rock. (laughs) These guys are bad. These guys are bad Sentinels. But, uh, and we got old Wolverine who looks just really unsettling and they do a bunch of close close ups of him and it's like, Oh, it's so lumpy and bumpy and weird. <laughs> and then like they run into Bishop who is, who is hunting mutants for the authority. He's a bounty hunter. And, uh, he is just like, ah, I got you rebels. Ha ha ha. I'm going to take you in. And Wolverine's like, listen, bub, they're gonna get you too. They don't like any mutants. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And immediately when the he goes to drop the Wolverine and, and his quarry off, the Sentinels are like, you have uh, your quota is out. You're going to the concentration camps too. And uh, then he's like, oh, geez, you were right. And then he's suddenly on their side. And then he becomes the hero for the rest of the episode. And but this, they have this terrible, and again, I don't remember the Days of Future Past comic all that well, but they have this horrible story device, especially in the cartoon because it's so short, but that Bishop can't remember anything when he goes back to the past, because he goes in Wolverine's place, because Wolverine is too old, <laughs> and so they're like... No, let's send this guy we just met that we hardly know. This is Forge, of course. He's like, he'll go back and and stop the assassination of Senator Kelly. And uh, because apparently an X-Men did it. And they're like, Wolverine would never kill another X-Men. So he can't be the one to go. But when Bishop goes back, he can't remember anything. So the whole thing, he's like, what was I supposed to do? And then he sees like a... A newspaper with Professor X on it. He's like, oh, right. The X-Men. I'm supposed to find them. And then, uh, you know, eventually when Gambit shows up, he's like, he's the assassin. Like, he forgets everything until right, like, the right moment that he needs to remember it. And then he remembers it. But it it just makes him just an insufferable character because he's just always arguing with people. Yeah, that's what Bishop would do. I remember that trait of his. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and Cable would kind of do the same thing too, but didn't sound good. Like, yep. it wasn't was a great boy. He's like, I'm Cable and I'm going to do this. And you're just like, <laughs> really? Power slide by one. And you're like, what? <laughs> what, is, what is going on here? Um, I mean, to be fair, if I remember correctly, Days of Future Past was like two issues of a comic. Um, so, you know, it's not like a crazy run there but it feels like there's a lot of depth and you'd want to hit the level of gravitas of that yeah you know like i mean they try to the most- fit everything in there and it doesn't work at all like there's a part where rogue is like finds mystique and, and mystique is like uh posing as gambit to to do this assassination and uh 
of course, if you don't know, you know, Rogue or Mystique is like Rogue's mom, I guess. Or at least that's what she fooled Rogue into thinking by turning into her mom in front of her in this episode. Yeah, I mean, so in comics, Mystique is Nightcrawler's mom. Yeah, I don't Rogue, know. It, they just... My, might be a surrogate mom thing from yeah, when yeah, yeah. Rogue she, was in this the Magneto's group. Yeah, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what... It, look... That's a lot of what this show was taking, uh, like the main beats from a main run or, you know, some iconic issues and then throwing some other stuff because days of future pass, if I remember correctly, and it's been a long time since I read that Bishop's not in it. I'm, I feel pretty <laughs> confident Bishop's not in it. Um, I could be completely wrong. Um, I think it's, it was like sending like Kitty Pride's brain back to like this alternate. Anyway, it's really weird. It's like yeah, I think it's I mean? like the same plot of the movie pretty much as the movie pretty much, except they send Kitty Pride back instead of Wolverine, right? Yeah, if I, I remember so. correctly, it's been uh, you know to the folks at home, it's been more than twenty years since I've read it. X-Men is not a series that I go back and be like, mm, I can't wait to read this because I've always had a very love-hate relationship with the X-Men as a super team. So, like, it's not one where I'm going to keep going back and reading them. But growing up, I read, you know, a bunch of different episodes because comics were comics. Um, but I could definitely tell that the show was not the comics. And... It even felt like the people who were writing the show didn't necessarily respect the comics either. Maybe that's my take on it, and I could be completely off base there, but um, that's what I feel. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. From what I read, the situation was quite the opposite. This is, of course, just Please, from... Please, educate me, because I know nothing about the show other than that it's <laughs> bad, and it doesn't sound... It's, it's, it's theme song... Is slightly better than this one. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant age has now begun. I still don't. <laughs> That's the theme song. That's the theme song to Pride of the Fallen. X Men, X Men, running around. Like, I don't know what that, uh, that just like, back in the day, like, I don't know what he's saying there. Like, it could be whatever you want it to be. Um, <laughs> back in the day, everything was so fun, predictable, I gotta tell you. <laughs> X-Men, X-Men. X-Men, back in the day, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Jeez-o, please-o. Yeah, uh, uh, a little bit different. But yeah, according to my research, the producers were, I mean, they had all the their hearts in the, the right place. You know, mm-hmm. they were trying to tell adult stories in a way that would be palatable to kids, for, you know, uh, it, that, that worked or didn't, kind of depending, I think, on the kid. But, um, and... They, although one of the like main producers did not, he wasn't really a uh, X Men fan. They did apparently hire writers that were all 
um, you know, uh, super fans of the of the characters, and they had this whole thing where they would they sent out this like introductory memo to the writers that basically broke down the fact that they felt like they were they had to honor the 30 year history of these characters and um you know they had to they said that the the writers had to write within the bounds that were established in the comic so it seemed like they were quite to the contrary sort of slavish to uh to the comics uh, to, or beholden to the comics in a way that might have been detrimental, maybe, actually, to the stories that they were telling? I mean, I don't know. Because as you bring that up, I obviously, if that's what they say, I, I'll go with that. But when you're combining these storylines and, you know, trying to knit these things together that don't necessarily work or, you know, trying to follow these through threads, it feels like, this is the, like, this is the Paramount book to do it with. You know, like, a, a lot of these, you know, Claremont, Byrne, Cochran, like, runs had, like, some phenomenal things. I mean, even, to be fair, like, one of the seasons was just the Phoenix Saga, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Like, there was no other episodes, no, like... Wolverine and, you know, Colossus go shopping with, you know, Storm and Rogue. Let's see what silly... None of that. It was just all Phoenix Saga to Dark Phoenix. Um, and they they ran with it. And I, I'd give them props for that. But it just still feels like a very truncated type of uh, storytelling approach where they, they were like, well, we got to introduce Bishop somehow. Um, will we get him there? Nah, 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 nah. Just throw him into this day of future past shit because why not? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, what am I supposed to do? Oh, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's slavish, but to a point, I guess that that's where I'm going to like, you know, I don't know if it's hubris, if it's just like, we really want to introduce this character. So we'll do everything we can to get him in or you know including changing these iconic runs maybe i don't i don't know i don't know i, don't I know. think at the end of the day it boiled down to that classic push and pull between creatives who are creating something like a show and then the executives who have to sell it and and make sure it makes money um there was from what I read, there was just a lot of constant sort of back and forth, and you know the executives wanted them to put more things that could be toys in there. They wanted them to put, they wanted Wolverine to have like curtains that had Wolverine on it, so they could sell those curtains to people. Uh, this kind of stuff that I think there was a there are a couple of instances where it really affected the show uh, to my understanding like they were going to in introduce the brood at one point which if you're an x-men fan you know uh, is a very big part of x-men lore but instead they like couldn't because that would be too scary for kids so they introduced this weird other alien thing that's really lame and it turned out a lame episode so it does feel like there were on one hand there were writers and creatives trying to to meet this challenge of creating these mature stories in a way that would appeal to children, which is important, you know. In general, I think 
that people when they're making stuff for kids tend to us underestimate uh what like the what a I don't know what kind of stories will appeal to kids like I don't know about you but when I was growing up I always wanted to watch stuff that older kids were watching I wanted like at a certain point you after you're very young when you kind of grow up a little suddenly anything that is clearly marketed towards children is something that you're like oh no that's dumb uh, I want to watch the, you know, I want to watch, I'm four-year-old or, or I'm an eight-year-old watching Saved by the Bell. You know, I'm I'm wondering what it'll be like in high school, and that's the sort of aspirational stuff that, that kids actually like. So that's a lot to say that I think that that's just the, that's kind of that push and pull that happens in a lot of shows, and I think that it, it affected this show in a lot of uh, pretty substantial ways. I could see that. I could see that. Um, I mean, it's not like all bad. And I, I guess when I rag on this from my perspective, it's from a loving place. Like I said, I have a, I have a love hate relationship with X-Men. There are some great issues that I really enjoy. And I, there are a lot of characters on the X-Men that I absolutely love. You know, Storm being one of my favorites, Colossus, Kitty Pride, um, Beast, Forge, Rogue. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. That's all. That's all the ones. That's I like. it. <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're these uh, pretty complex type of characters who have like these pretty fantastical abilities. And like, I guess my expectations of what I was going to see on the screen never really paid off. You know, but in certain regards, I thought the person who voiced Rogue did a a great job. Um, you know, sound sounded enough to I guess where Rogue would sound like to me. Gambit, mm-hmm. oh man, Gambit was terrible. <laughs> Let yeah. me just tell you, somebody who's seen the an episode today. Uh, yikes. Uh, I mean, Gambit's one of those characters, though. Like Gambit is one of those characters that. Like, I think seemed cool on the page, but, you know, never really was one of them cool characters. I mean, his outfit alone was something special. Um, (laughs) And his hair in this show is awful. It's just a tumbleweed. Yeah, it just probably goes every which direction, but, you know, north. Like, it's, you know, and I mean, he, he throws playing cards at people for heaven's sakes. He's like the Joker, but not nearly as funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, as a, a Cal Dodd as Wolverine. I mean, I guess it's the closest to a Wolverine we'll get. Cause I don't know if I've ever heard a, a Wolverine that matches what I, I picture a five foot three tall Wolverine would sound like. Um, I think at Norm's- least they did that. They kept that intact. I, there was one scene in these two episodes where Cyclops and Wolverine enter a room together and Wolverine comes up to just below Cyclops' back. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is everyone thinks he's, like, six six foot because of Hugh Jackman. It's like, no, nah, man, Wolverine's short. You know, he's like, I'm the best there is at what I do, bub. Just to yeah. give you an idea, there was a version of the first X-Men movie that was in development for a while, and the actor who they wanted to play Wolverine was Bob Hoskins. So just, there you go. If you want to think about what... That's like 
much closer to the comic Wolverine than Hugh Jackman. I take that over Hugh Jackman. To this, I would day. love to see that. I would love to see Bob Hoskins. Can we at, at that the, age? No. Can we use the de aging tech now to make Bob, to Hoskins? Get Bob Hoskins in the? Wolverine. Sure, let's do it. I mean, let's let's do a little. Let's take a little detour right now. Let's do a little Wolverine fan casting. Is there a appropriately aged actor you think right now? Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. I could just see him all like he's like coming out of the, you know, the the Weapon X tank and he's just like I just want to be pure. I want to get I'm the best there is in what I do, bub. And what I do, bub is well enough, I guess. <laughs> Danny, Danny, that's not the line. I'll say it how I want. I'm Danny DeVito. Um no, that's I can't. Mm, mm, I don't know. Like, there's no yeah. actor I could think of where I'd be like, "Yeah, that's a Wolverine." Like, because to me, Wolverine will always be short, and they will never put a short Wolverine in the movies. I mean, if they do, you know, if if Fihe figures it out and he's just like. It's perfect. We're going to take, you know, like Harry Cavill, Henry Cavill, and we're going to chop his legs off and make him small. We're going to use the Hobbit tech. <laughs> Henry Cavill's little brother, Harry Cavill. <laughs> Harry Cavill. Harry Cavill. He's like, all right. Oh, I'm Wolverine now. <laughs> what do you think of the fan obsession to get Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter himself, in the uh, behind the old claws? Why not? Why right? not? He, he, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it, it, he'd probably be pretty good. Oh, he's great. Didn't he do this? I'm trying to remember if he was the one in the movie where he was a dead body. That, yes. That like the person was riding as a jet ski. And yes, I remember and he, that trailer. <laughs> he would fart and like go across the water. Mm-hmm. That is someone who has two things an infinite amount of confidence in their capabilities because they want to explore new things and enough fuck you money where they never have to worry about where they they could be a farting dead body. (laughs) He's like, I don't need to worry about nada. That is, that is that type of movie. So yeah, sure. Put him, make him Wolverine. I don't don't care. Why not? He's got, he's got mutton chops. He could grow those things out. Um, You know, they just get him some CrossFit. Get them, you know, lifting some weights. Yeah, boom. Boom, Wolverine. Done. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, yeah, I, I wish I had a better poll. I, there's got to be someone out there who is just built like a little chode. Uh, <laughs> who just like some like short, thick boy who is who is like a character actor and is like surly. I guess they'd have to be kind of older too, so maybe like in their their mid thirties, early forties that that would be perfect. There's someone out there that is just not, it's just not coming to me. Yeah, I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of someone who'd be movie accurate Wolverine. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, if uh, if anyone out there listening to this wants to you know, tweet at us, like, like, what is your fan casting to? To uh, because you know he's coming. Wolverine's I mean, coming back. They're all coming. 
They're all coming. All the X-Men. All your favorites are back. You you might have a love-hate relationship with the X-Men, but I think, especially during the time frame we're talking about, but people were like, Marvel who, Iron Man who, Captain America who, all I know about is the X-Men. The X-Men were so popular. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to deny or um, about the X-Men and their level of popularity being an allegory for, you know, a lot of things. Civil rights, you know, race, um, you're trying to find your place. Isolation, uh, prejudice. Like, it, you know, reading it back then, I'm sure a lot of kids could see themselves in that book. And in a lot of ways, you can see the, you know, the parallels are there for sure. It's, it's an important series. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's just, for me, it's never been one that's been like my, my go-to. Um, I guess that's because I'm, I truly am more of a fan of the fantastical. It's probably why I gravitate more towards DC than I do towards Marvel in general. Because, you know, DC doesn't really, doesn't really tackle problems like that, um, as up front where Marvel heroes have always felt very, this is going to sound weird, grounded and real. Mm -hmm. Um, it's true. So, which is great. And, you know, there's some, like I said, some real powerful series and stuff, but just for me, like I'm, I'm looking for that place to escape where I was when I was younger. Now it's a little different. I'm, I'm kind of open to everything, but you know, with the series that there, there was a lot identification, you name it. There's something you could find in there. If you felt like an outcast or a misfit, the X-Men was for you. Um, no, you shouldn't feel that way. I'd hope you wouldn't, but that's what it was there for. And, um, and the shed a light on it. And, you know, like, they have some really cool characters that do that, and then they have some other characters who are just kind of like, mm. <laughs> yep. yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, X Men obviously super important, super impactful, but you know, I think this is one of those instances where sometimes you have you have things you have a lot of nostalgia for, but sometimes you need to leave that in the past and just maybe cherish the memory of it because sometimes the the reality is a bit different cuz I, I I honestly can't see me going back and ever watching this series again and you know how hard i clowned on spider-man it's <laughs> amazing friends but not so bad now huh not exactly so i was i was i was really looking for like the clear concise storytelling of that show and you know that show didn't feel like a weird fever dream and this show felt like a weird fever dream yeah, you ragging on that? I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. Inspire me, friend. That's a pretty good show, especially yeah, when it's. <laughs> yeah, it certainly aged better than this one. I I hate to say it, but I I that is my opinion. Well, I'm sorry that you you know you can't go home again in the in the world of feel good nostalgia with this one. But just remember. <laughs> 
where this one's door is closed, you know, another door will eventually open. Like, this is a series. This is a team that feels like a cartoon should be a no-brainer. Like, yeah. It feels like it should be really easy to do. They all have uniforms that are, you know, pretty precise. They all have powers that on a, on the page and on a screen would look really great and flashy. They're not super complicated, you know, as far as what you're trying to do, because a lot of them are just kind of one trick uh, type characters. You, it'll come. I think you'll get a. I think you'll get an X Men cartoon that will. Um, you'll 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 be able to form a new nostalgia bond on. But you'll have to tell me how it is because I'm sure as hell not going to watch it. <laughs> Um, so as a little bit of final business, I did find out that, um, something kind of more recent happened with the show back in 2017, which wasn't all that far, uh, or wasn't all that far in the past. Um, a, uh, a couple of folks who were involved in a Hungarian show called Linda, sued Disney, Marvel, everybody involved with this X-Men the Animated Series for, um, well, at least according to them, ripping off their theme song. Oh! <laughs> yep. So this was a apparently a very uh, popular show in, in Hungary called uh, Linda, and um, apparently there is a bit... Of similarity between Ron Wasserman and uh, his opening for X Men and this show, I haven't listened to the evidence myself, but I was not able to, or at least the article I was reading did not have a uh, result to this case, so it might still be ongoing. Certainly, the uh, the lawyers of these mega corporations have the money to run it out for as long as they want, but. Um, yeah, that was an interesting bit of more recent news. And speaking of Ron Wasserman, the guy who did the intro that we both like a lot, he also did the intro to the U.S. Power Rangers show, Go Go Power Rangers, and uh, the PR Troopers, I think. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, same guy. Go Go Power Rangers is the same guy as <laughs> So, have you um have you listened to uh Linda? I have not. I have not. So, I just found the theme. Okay. I listened to it. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think uh I think they got a case. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I think they got a case. You got it. Okay, send that over to me. Okay. If you would, if, if you have a link, I would love to uh, hear it for myself. And yeah, maybe we about... can drop it in there if it's not too too hard. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh um, boy, here we go. Yeah, go to about like the the eighteen second mark. Okay. Uh, let's see. All right. Here we go. Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. This is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a little sus that it took him all the way till 2017 to notice, but... 
Wowza! <laughs> right? Is come on, it, Ron Wasserman. Yeah, it is very. It was funny because I was like, okay, let me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, I had the exact same thing. I, I was like, okay, well, now you know Disney owns these properties, and then they know they have some deep pockets, and they're gonna make a frivolous lawsuit to sort of just like make Disney pay for it. Um, so it would, you know, just to make it go away or whatever. Uh, and now I'm listening to it. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy's owned a couple bucks. He's owed a couple bucks. Yeah, it's. I bet you they were really impressed first, right? Where they're just like, yeah, yeah, this. It's our beat, isn't that cool? Yes, this is so cool. And they're like, wait a minute, we could get money off of this. But this was like almost 20 years, more than 20 years later at this point. And so it was just all like, hey, hey, by the way, they stole your beat. Yeah. Straight up stole your beat here. um, I went ahead and I grabbed it for the people. So you be the judge. I'm going to play the, I I just grabbed a snippet. Um, I'm going to play the, everyone knows how that theme song goes. All right, and here comes Linda's theme. That's <laughs> exactly, I mean, uh, setting aside the fact that it's two different instruments, I mean, that is exactly the same thing. I mean, and then the other one. I'm not playing that again. That's a little. <laughs> All right. I think Linda. Oh. Good ear, man. Good ear on you. <laughs> wow. Well, that what a exciting twist to end an episode where you know I think neither of us is happy. Well, about, about the subject, which is uh, you know, fun. Well, I mean, I how did I? How do I put it? I thought you were definitely looking through the lens of nostalgia-colored sunglasses with this one, because I like. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he remembers it. Like, I think he remembers it in the broad sense, but mm-hmm. like, you need to watch an episode because <laughs> recently, you were right? I was like, I recently watched the Night of the Sentinels just, but even before, just so I mm-hmm. could kind of be like. Oh yeah, let's watch this and have like not even like seven minutes in. I wanted to throw my remote through the TV. Just because <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to stop this. I could push exit, you know, exit out of the app, but I wanted to do it with a violent type of uh, r- response. Yeah, um, I watch. I watched this with my wife, who also watched this cartoon as a kid. Yeah, and the whole time we were like, "What is this?" What, like, how many times we were just confused about what is happening or just making fun of the episode? And this is one of the best ones. Yeah, like, yeah. Because then you start thinking of, like, the real worst ones, and you're just like, oh, man, the, the, the worst ones are really bad. Like, yeah, really bad. And it sounds like they're bad because they're, like, forgettable and boring just from the the reviews i've read i'm not gonna go back and check for myself i'm sorry all right if if you're out there and you love this show and you you watch it every summer or whatever more power and it's like 
Yeah. More power to you. Way to go. There are a lot of people out there who also love it. And it's just we're not two of them. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's bad. I'm never yeah. going to watch it again. And I'm disappointed that I did. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I'm I'm going to try to turn this around. I'm going to try to not real, not really, but at least it showcased a, a veritable cornucopia of X-Men characters. Sure. You know, that's one of the things that one of the producers said specifically, he would never ask for a cameo. He would just like put it in there. And he never wanted to do it, so it would like distract from the main story. But he would just put a cameo in there, and to the point where they Marvel specifically told them, "Hey, you can't use Spider-Man in any of these cameos." That was the only rule. But he still put him in there. He just put him in there in silhouette and like shooting a web. So it was kind of confusing about who it could be. But yeah, even I Spider-Man mean, got in there. I mean, Captain America was in it. Like they they mm-hmm. did like a a back in World War Two if I remember correctly like with like Wolverine and him in the Howling Commandos, yeah you know like they win the gambit we got punk rock storm yeah one of my personal favorite looks for her with the mohawk and everything mm-hmm. we got you know like we got so many like characters it was impressive even if you weren't a big fan of all these characters the fact that yeah they did make it in there was you know it was a solid feat so like it was a it was a really good introduction if you weren't familiar with the comics to kind of get a sense of who these you know characters are their rogues gallery which is you know wild and zany um, Mm -hmm. too terrifying you know like it's it's an impressive feat it just, like, it just felt like it could have been more, especially yeah. given the environment in which what it, in which it was up against. You know, like you you really hit it on the nail for me with the the Batman the animated series in this. That is drawn yeah. for the most part very well. Like you know that that uh you know I got Batman in my basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're not all winners. Just like, they're, yeah, look at the two part, the the two phase two part, uh, where they yeah. ran out of money on the first part, <laughs> and then the second part is like practically unwatchable. But those are kind of outliers in the overall. Uh, and you know, we've watched several of the animated series, uh, Batman the animated series, I should say, and those episodes are great. They're totally you can. Follow them super easy. The stories are cohesive and interesting. They're sometimes based on the comics, but oftentimes are brand new for the show. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's not like this was just like an expectation at the time. This this show had a low budget, and that low budget definitely uh, shines through for better or mostly worse. Agreed. Yep. Uh, but I will plus one all the stuff you said, uh, in addition to the stuff I said earlier, it certainly has a lot going for it. It broke a lot of ground and did a lot of experimental, interesting stuff. And, and from what I've read any, anyway, everyone behind it was super passionate about the show and wanted it to be the, the best thing ever. But, um, yeah, let's just leave it in the past and, and let our memories sort of luxuriate and how good we thought it was. And uh, it's time to move on. 
And uh, indeed, it's time for this podcast to move on as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode this week. Uh, if you're a fan of the cartoon, probably not, but that's fine. Uh, you know, they're just like the cartoon, they're not all going to be winners. But you know who is a winner <laughs> is, is the producer of our theme song, Burton Ep 6. I want to say thank you very much to you for an incredible theme song. And if you want to employ him to make something for you, you can do so. The link to his Fiverr page is in our show notes, so check it out. If you want to support the ongoing production of this podcast, go on over to our show notes again and check out our T Public store where you can find a bunch of fun stuff and there'll be more stuff, uh, different designs released throughout the year. You know, it's pretty much as long as we do this podcast, there'll be fun t shirts and mugs, mouse pads, and all sorts of other fun stuff going up there. Um, if you want to get in, touch with us if you want to join the discussion around the podcast the best way to do that the only ways to do that currently are on twitter and instagram at the pop saga if you want to reach us on email the pop saga at gmail.com all this stuff is in the show notes so just check it out if you're interested and from all of us to all of you out there we hope that you're feeling happy we hope that you are healthy and we'll see you next week. Remember, folks, we're the best. We're the best at what we do, and what we do isn't very nice. And what we do that isn't very nice is jokes. <laughs> eh. <laughs> eh. Yeah. Yeah. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.